What's going on, everybody? Welcome into a Monday edition of Texans All Access from the Hyundai Texans Radio Studio. I am John Harris. So incredibly excited. You know why? It's Combine Week. Yes. 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 It's finally here. And that voice you hear is the voice of the Texans, Mark Vandermeer. Mark, you said something the other day. I want you to expand upon. I don't want to say you want to get it off your chest, but. Oh, boy. You said the Combine is one of your favorite events. It is my favorite event. Period. I, what, what and I it? go to the owners' meetings. Uh, we have this big digital summit that the fans don't know about, but it's a big deal for yeah. people in the biz in the National Football League. Been to the Pro Bowl. Look, the Pro Bowl in Hawaii was pretty good. I don't care what anybody says. Like, I know that on television, yeah, Hawaii, it, was, it wasn't the greatest spectacle, but believe me, the players really appreciated being there, and mm-hmm. so did anybody working the event. We really appreciated the Pro Bowl <laughs> being in Hawaii, even though Aloha Stadium is a dump. Maybe they fixed, fixed it up since then. So anyway, it's um, their dump. That's the combine's my favorite, Johnny, because I think, you know, the pressure's sort of off in a lot of ways mm-hmm. uh, for for us. You yeah. know, it's it's really the perfect way to start a new league year, even though the league year doesn't officially technically right, start right. until a month later or a few weeks later. I just like getting everybody together. You see all the coaches, all the assistants, mm-hmm. virtually all of the scouts. Yep. They're all there. You know, if you go to the owners meetings, it's the head coaches, GMs, those types of people, the owners. Right, right. And it's really cool to be at the owners meetings. Believe me. Right. And I get to sit in on the president's meetings sometimes. Jamie Roots brings me in there. And that is cool. There's a lot of great high level stuff going on there that I hear that's wonderful. And I can share a lot of that with the fans and just build my own knowledge base. But the combine is the combine. We see all our peeps there. Yeah. A lot of the voices guys are yeah, there. Of course. Like, I think I'm the only voice of a team that goes to the owners' meetings. I don't think I've ever seen maybe more than one other guy there ever at yeah. an owners' meeting. What's interesting is I, you know, my buddy Sal Capaccio, who's a silent reporter for the Bills, they're going to know each other. And so he texted me when, when I was in Mobile. And he's like, where are you? And like, Mobile? And he goes, I know that. He goes, but where? And I was like, well, I'm in the stadium. Where are you? And he goes, well, I'm here too. I was like, you decided to come to the Senior Bowl. And so I'm curious to catch up with him as to what his experience was like at the Senior Bowl because that's yours. Brandon Bean, the GM, he did speak. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if Sean McDermott spoke, but Brandon, but Brandon Bean spoke at the Senior Bowl, and there weren't that many media members. There were only probably, I think Sal said, four or five media members, so they got some good time with Brandon Bean. Uh, he goes to the Combine. He's been going to the Combine. That's where we first met. So I'm curious. And he, the one thing he did tell me, though, at the Combine, he's like, you got to go to the owners' meetings. And I was like, really? He goes, yeah. He goes, man, I get a ton of info from the owners' meetings. And I was like, hmm, interesting. So I, I like going to the Sal Bowl. said that. The yeah. sideline reporter for the Bills. He, he, said, he said owners' meetings is the way to go. Does he do the John Murphy show? Uh, John Murphy is the voice of no. the Bills. No, uh-uh. I'm wondering if John Murphy goes to the owners' meetings. That's another I don't know. Because he does that daily talk show. So right. I, I might have seen him there. He'll be at the Combine for yeah, sure. Yeah, he'll definitely be at the Combine. Uh, but yeah, it, the, uh, yeah it, it's interesting because... I think that uh, at the owners' meetings, you would like the coaches' roundtables. Right, you know? right. But th- the problem is they do them all at once now. So right. for one hour, you know, I can't leave the Bill O'Brien table. You know, in, in years past. That's why you need people to come with you. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, in years past, like, they'd do the NFC on another day, and I'd go right. there and get, you know, one time I got Tom Coughlin saying something about Seth Payne, and I sent it back to <laughs> Seth just for, for gag, you know, purposes. There are, yeah. There's a lot you can do there. Uh, but they're consolidating everything. For instance, tomorrow is our one day uh, to see all the coaches and GMs at the Combine. Okay, and you want to go little, being both. You want to go a little further with this? Yeah. You know who's also? It's one day for all the GMs and head coaches, right? Right. Now, for us, we're consolidated into one, which is kind of yeah. nice. 
it's also the same day for quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs. That's crazy. That's crazy. And I know a lot of media does not go, right? So you I, I don't I think with the Chronicle, I think it's just McLean. Yes. I, I mean I Aaron Wilson. So. I, Aaron Wilson would be there on his own dime, I think. Aaron Wilson. Will yeah, be but there. I don't know if they let that happen. I don't know. I, I, I sorry to, to say. do this publicly. But my I, I saw it earlier today uh on the Twitters and mm-hmm. it was um I'm pretty sure they're they're actually being measured right now. The quarterbacks are right, and I was like, "What am I doing?" Because they've changed the schedule. They've changed the schedule so much yeah. for the combine, um, and we have the credential to go in there. And I always like like doing that. And I have my my spreadsheet. I think you've seen it. Mm-hmm. I've got this massive spreadsheet where I just keep all the numbers and everything in front of me, and all my write ups and everything is in that spreadsheet. And that's what ends up feeding the Harris 100. So. Uh, so I, I saw what was going on. I looked at the schedule and was like, yeah, they arrived last night. They're getting measured this morning, and they've got, like, five. that's the thing. I think people, for the players that are there, the college players that are there, I don't think they realize what all goes into this. They think, well, you know, they go run the 40, and they're done. I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That's, I mean, they have one day where they do all their measurements, yeah. all their medicals. They have their player interview, their interviews with the teams. Then the next night it is meet with the media, do the bench press, uh, have more interviews, position meetings. That, that's one thing I didn't, I haven't seen before when I looked at the calendar. They have these position meetings now, so that's another one. So all the linebackers have to get together to talk about the drills, talk yeah. about whatever. I, I yeah, I guess. And then, then by day four, yeah. they're finally on the field doing drills. Yeah, and that's what obviously everybody sees. So that's what everybody thinks it is. Like, yeah, everybody like, thinks it's four that we just or five sit, days. Yeah, we we don't it's sit ridiculous. there and watch drills all the time. Well, uh, you don't. Well, you you mentioned it, though, and today's a huge interview day because yep. the rest of the week gets a little crunched up with, mm-hmm. with the drills at night, yes. a lot of the primetime stuff, and they have to do interviews during the day, so they're getting a jump start. They have gotten a jump start on a lot of interview stuff today. Look, and that's crucial. I think the medical stuff, I know we talk about this every year, but it's worth reminding people. My boss, Jamie Root, says people don't need to be educated as much as they need to be reminded, and I think he stole that from somewhere else, and he would admit that. But uh, he also says great ideas are never lonely. So anyway, the uh, <laughs> it's true. Great, great ideas are never lonely. People share them, they copy them, they do whatever. So, but he's That's right a good one, in, in that uh, you know sometimes it's worth hearing this again. The medical stuff might be might be the most important element of the entire combine. No, I, and it we'll is. talk to Bill O'Brien about this tomorrow. They need to know. They poke and prod and measure, and they need to know exactly what is going on medically with these guys. Uh, what they've suffered, how it's healing, what lingers, what is still there. They find stuff about guys. There are numerous stories about finding ailments, uh, issues that people have medically that they've been able to take care of because of the outstanding diagnosis work going on at the Combine. Yeah. Here's the other thing about mm-hmm. the Combine. I got to talk to these NFL people, man. Uh-oh. They don't reduce fractions, and it drives me crazy. They don't reduce fractions. My, oh, for the measurements. So when they do the measurements, they always call it out. And they've got this odd way of giving measurements. So mm. let's say a guy is 6'1 and 1 eighth. Yeah. He is 6. He is 0, 6, 1, 1. Zero, 6, 1. The uh-huh. first three are he's 6 foot 1. And then the 1 is that that's eighth of an inch. So. Whenever they say, oh, say he's six, say he's six. What if, what if he was a quarter? Let's say he's six, one and a half. Right. Then they'll say zero, six, one, four. 
And then when they post it, they post four slash eight. It's like, no, that's one and a half. So oh, when yeah, you yeah. when so yeah. people just kind of rip them and they write them down, Four it's eights. like no, reduce your fraction. So that's yeah. the math part of me that comes out and it drives me. In, this drives reminds me insane. of my age because right now I am thirty nine and seven eighths. Yeah, right, very good. That's my age. Yes, I'm gonna turn thirty nine point nine next year. By yes. the way, yeah, next October. So uh, I'll I'll get into that. But yeah, uh, it like it's like saying eight sixteenths instead yes. of one half. Right, right, exactly. This it's, upsets you as a former math teacher. It, it bothers the heck. But you out taught of me. math, and what else did you teach? Physics. I taught all levels Jeez, of math. Physics. Yeah, I taught AP Jeez, calculus. Physics. I barely passed physics. You taught physics. Yeah, Jeez. well, that's okay. Uh, you have Vandermark 1.0 out. I do. I do, Johnny. How do you, first of all, let me just get a, a good, how do you feel? When you had it done, when you got it done. It feels good to get it done. I know it feels good I'm to get it lying. done. But when you look back at it, you go, okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. Or are you waiting for the great? No, I'm, I'm, waiting, I'm waiting for you to wail on this stuff. Here's the problem. And I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> Believe it or not, I don't go through 300 prospects and determine <laughs> what their projected round might be. I don't do this, Johnny. Yeah. And I got to say, you know, you have your Harris 100, but to boil it down to 100, I know you're going through hundreds yes. of players. And some yes. of these guys you've been following for years, yes. and since high school, whatever. Right. Uh, and and that's, that's a, a tribute to you. Your first for round me, pick was one of those guys. I dive in. And uh, my first round pick was Laramie Tunsil. That's what I'm saying. Way. Your first round pick is one of those guys. Laramie, and I, I told Laramie this, Laramie's from Lake City, Columbia High School, which right. is, they consider it to oh, be, yeah. they consider it to be in the ja the greater Jacksonville area. Mm -hmm. So when they do like all their high school sections, Columbia always gets mentioned. And Columbia has had players for years. I mean, mm -hmm. decades. I mean, when I was there, my last year, they had a linebacker by the name, and you might know this name. They had a linebacker by the name of Kendall Pope. Played at oh, Florida yeah, State. Yeah. 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 And Kendall was, whoa. I mean, he was, this guy, holy smokes, he was one of the better high school players that I ever saw. So I've always been interested in especially higher-rated players that came from the areas where I've, where I've been. I've been different places, but mainly Florida, here, and then North Carolina for a spell. So I always think, and I saw Laramie's name pop up a few years ago on high school ranks. I'm like, hmm, Columbia High School. And I looked at his size and I was like, oh, I got to see this guy. Well, you know, thank God for YouTube nowadays because you can go see pretty much anything. So I'm watching him like, oh. So my love affair with your first round pick started way, way mm. back when. Mm. And then saw him at Ole Miss. And then, you know, I, he was number one on my Harris 100 in 2016. Number one Number one guy. guy. Number one guy the Texans were able to get. And we, obviously, the price tag was big, but I, I'm glad you put that there to, stuff remind, to remind people of what they were able to do and get value for 2019, but also then your first-round pick in 2020 ends up being this stud left tackle. Yeah, and you get Kenny Stills in the deal, too. Yeah, exactly. And I know there was another first-rounder, but McLean, And another pick that you're going to talk about here in a second. McLean makes – yeah, fourth-round pick. McLean makes a good point that had you gone shopping for a left tackle in this year's draft, mm -hmm. you're probably not drafting where your pick is right now because you probably didn't have as good a season if you didn't make the Tunsil right. deal in the first place. Right. But you'd have to trade up. You used to what I trade up. And it's going to cost up. you one to trade up in all likelihood to get to where you'd want to go to get a guy who you still wouldn't know could play like Laramie Tunsil. So there are, it's a good deal. This is a really – you, you talk to, to most people and just my opinion, having watched every mm -hmm. single one of these guys, this is a very, very good, very good offensive tackle draft depth-wise. Good. There is not, however, there is not a guy – 
close to Laramie Tunsil. All right. Not not even close. Projected, because you never know. Right. David Projected. Bakhtiari, and you I, know, the stories are out there. R- right, right. There's not a guy. There are going to be guys that can develop. There are going to be some very good players. There are some extremely good athletes. Tristan Wirfs from Iowa. Dredick Wills from Alabama. Mm-hmm. Both very, very good players. Ironically, both of them played right tackle. Um, but those are prob- those are two of the best uh, in this draft. And this is just off, off the top of my head. You needed instant results in this deal, and you yeah, got it. You, so, and you got it. So that was your first-round pick, right, Larry so Second Tuxel. round, we go to the draft, right? And mm-hmm. Travon Diggs, a corner from Alabama, will be my pick. Now, he's the younger brother of Stephon Diggs, yes. right? And since they got Eric Reed's younger brother and it worked out pretty well, mm-hmm. why not go for another younger brother? In this case, I mean, this is not exactly draft science. <laughs> uh, he's, a, he's a good cornerback, though. And, and I don't – is he still there in round two, John? Well, I, there, yeah, that's a great question. Now, I think he is possibly. I think he is possibly, which can send up maybe a bit of a red flag. I'm curious to see what his measurements are. He's listed – if I remember correctly, like six one, six two, two oh seven. Yeah. Uh, so he's good size. Yeah. He, I like that. I, what I like about older brothers in the league already is they've got a built-in counseling system to say, "Hey, bro, what like what's this all about? What's this about?" Yeah. So well, even I, if I'm they don't simplify this for you right now, when you're drafting youth league sports, right? Which kids do you want? The kids with the older yeah, brothers. Well, yeah, that's exactly. And that's what the NFL is. Youth li- no, it's not. <laughs> but, <laughs> but if you find him, no, nah, nah, you bring up a great point. Now, Stephon Diggs got a little diva in him. Yeah. So it's not always. And, and obviously, um, you know, Justin and Eric are a little bit different, um, the Reed brothers. But mm-hmm. on field, excellent football players. I like to pick in the second round. I I am curious whether he gets all the way to the Texans in that second round. If they had a high second round pick, then possibly he's, he's still there. Maybe a trade of one of your fours and get him. You Maybe so. Maybe, and who knows what you're able to do prior mm-hmm. to this draft, you know, working and using next year's picks or whatever the case might be. However you package it, you might move up. But he is a, he is a longer physical corner that can run. If I have a hesitancy, sometimes it has to do with Alabama corners. Now, the Alabama safeties have done very, very well. Landon mm-hmm. Collins has been phenomenal. Minka Fitzpatrick played nickel in safety. Phenomenal. The Alabama corners haven't been as successful. We had one here for almost a decade who did But all he right. was very good. Yeah. Yep. Now, I'm talking most more recently I know, I know. than anything else. Uh, let's get round. to your third round. Okay, speaking of Alabama, you stay with Alabama here in yeah, the third round. Why not? Because it's Alabama, and you don't have to travel far. You look at all these guys, and Terrell Lewis, outside linebacker, pass rusher, he's got size. So he can set the yeah. edge in the run game. He's got and, size. And he can he can do his thing rushing the passer. Now, he's had some injury issues, yep. and that is going to make him drop to me in the third round where I will work him with that upside and he will become a great player. You are very hopeful. You, you think he's, uh, he's, we he's could, not lasting, is he? No. Terrell Lewis <laughs> is not getting to the third round at this pick. Now, if you go, wait a second, third round, Texas don't have a third round pick. They, they're they going to have a third round pick. Yeah. The no, compensatory pick they're going to get for the Tyra Matthew situation is going to end up going to Cleveland. Uh, but they're going to end up getting the. They're going to get their third round pick, and I think they're going to get a. God, not the comp I, third I round pick. They, I think they stay in the third round. Yeah, I think they stay in third round. So either way, Terrell the Duke Lewis Johnson is, pick. Yeah, the Duke Johnson deal. Yeah, and I think that's going to be the compensatory pick that goes to Cleveland. Either way, mm-hmm. Terrell Lewis more than likely is getting the third round. You brought up the big the big issue with him. Mm-hmm. He's had injury issues, but when that Joker is out on the field, there have been 
and I, I've seen, I think, every really good pass rusher. He's the one guy that I watch and go, whoa. But the problem is, is those are so few and far between because he hasn't been fully healthy. Mm. It's almost like he, I used to say this about Clowney too. It almost was like Clowney would take a couple games that he needed to kind of rev up to get to the third game. Once he got to the third game, he was like fully revved up, boom, ready to go. And then he'd keep that momentum until he'd get dinged up and then <sighs> drop back down. Right. Terrell's kind of the same way. It's almost like he needs a game or two to kind of rev up and get himself to full speed. But when he's at full speed, he's had a couple of games and I think the old Miss game was one of them. I'm trying to remember. Maybe it was Arkansas. I can't remember. There's one game where you go, oh, my God. That guy's a top 10 player. But you bring up the injury factor is massive for him. But at the Senior Bowl, I think it, his Senior Bowl week was sort of like his career. It was periods of just flat-out brilliance. Now, he didn't get hurt. But then there were times where it's like, hey, man, where's, where's Terrell? Oh, he's in this drill? Oh, I haven't seen him do anything. But then a couple of reps later, it's like, oh, okay, there's Terrell. So if you get him in the third round, whoo, he might just, that's a win. He might just drop because that's it's a, a win. scary thing. Now, maybe they don't draft him here because of the smart, tough, dependable thing. And the, well, the, I think not he's, that he's that. Not, not that he's those, not those things. But, but the dependable part. Dependable is, is part. and it might not be any fault of his own. It probably isn't. But they might be a little injury shy, gun yeah. shy yeah. that way. All right, we're going to break it right there. We've gotten through the first three rounds. We're going to get to what I think is a tremendous pick in round four with the voice of Texas, Mark Vandermeer. Also later in the show, Sports Radio 610, Sean Pendergast, our good friend, is going to join us to do a little 12 questions with Drew Doherty. Got all that coming up tonight on Texans All Access. Keep it right where you are. Welcome back to this Monday edition of Texans All Access, a combine edition. I'm your host, John Harris, along with Mark Vandermeer, and we're breaking down Vandermock 1. Point oh, and we have gotten through the first three rounds. Larry Tunsil round one, <laughs> Teron Diggs, Alabama in round two, Terrell Lewis, outside linebacker from Alabama in round three. All right, you want to get to your fourth round pick here? All right, let's do my fourth round pick, which is the first of two. Brian Edwards, wide receiver, South Carolina, just broke his foot, hurting his combine, yep. obviously, hurting his combine uh, eligibility mm-hmm. and availability. Uh, but he's a good wide receiver, Johnny, and I think that he would get draft get drafted higher than this had it not been for the broken foot. But he's available in the fourth round, and I'll take him. He'll be ready in two, three months, and let's rock. I think you could not have hit on a better upside type prospect than Brian Edwards. I think Brian Edwards is kind of being lost in some sense amongst all the discussion about that position because it's loaded. Mm-hmm. Jerry Judy, CeeDee Lamb, Henry Ruggs, uh, LaVisca Chenault, Jalen Rager. I mean, there are so many receivers. In fact, it probably forced a few guys to go back to school because it's an outstanding group. And I felt like Brian Edwards was sort of kind of lost in that group when you're like, this guy's been ultra productive his entire career at South Carolina. Longer go up and get it, and then you see about the foot injury. And then I'm thinking, well, wait a second. That actually might not be a bad thing. If, as a as a personnel guy, if there's, I mean, you think about the various ways you can sort of get a quote-unquote discount on a player. Mm-hmm. I mean, injury is sort of the one where you go, okay. And that's why the medicals, I think, end up being so important because I think the first question is, is the guy healthy? Then the next question is, is he draftable? 
Meaning, okay, if he's if he's healthy, okay, is he healthy? Oh yeah, yeah, he's gonna be he's gonna be fine. He's gonna be fine. Okay, do we have a draftable grade on him? Yes. Essentially, are you getting a discount on this guy? And Brian Edwards might be a guy you end up getting a big discount on because teams are like, well, we're not going to see him run. He's not going to be able to before the combine. Now you really got to trust all your local scouting work, your uh, you know your cross checks. Yeah. You're going to have to really work that on a guy and think, okay, are we getting this player at a discount, a draft discount, if you will, getting him a round or two later than you normally would? The draft is so unpredictable, right? I Absolutely. mean, we talk about this all the time. Whenever there is a glut, maybe that's a bad word, but a lot of talent in a single position group, very often it's the people that you're not expecting that rise above and are often the best ones of the lot. Not that he would be, right. but, you know, you think back to Dwayne Brown being that sixth or seventh yeah. tackle taken in the first round. And Absolutely. Yeah, we were just talking about Josh McCown last week who went very, very, very late. What round was he drafted? In 02 with David yeah. Carr and Joey Harrington and Patrick Ramsey, and he lasts yeah. this long in the league. And there are countless examples like that. Bakhtiari, we were just talking about yep. him. So maybe Edwards is able to survive. Yeah, and... And I, I think Brian Edwards fully healthy. And, and that's the thing that, that we'll never know, the teams will know, mm-hmm. is how healthy, well, you know, what's his recovery time. And obviously, because we talked about the quarterbacks, wide receivers, and running backs being there today, of course, everybody wants to know about Tua. What's, what's Tua's prospects? Now, with Edwards, you think it's, I don't want to say cut and dry when it comes to injury, but what about Tua? Tua's going to be that guy where everybody's asking about, like, okay, how's the hip? And then yeah. it's a hip. It's like, oh, yeah, boy, hips. And when it was first thrown around, everybody was like, eh, but hips don't lie, as Shakira would say. Uh, your your uh, your next fourth round fourth pick round pick from the Miami Dolphins, right? Thank and you. that's a key thing to remember because you're getting Larry Mitunso and a pick from the Dolphins. Mm-hmm. Did this hurt your heart to have to do this? What to go Stanford Samuels? No, to go Florida State. Yes, a little bit. It did, it but did. you know, part of me, I, I'm a, I'm with a lot of the other Canes, which is I have a respect for Florida State. Right. Uh, the, Florida's the, the hard the part. The Gators are yeah. the real villains here. Yeah, for the Miami that's Hurricanes, the hard part. <laughs> uh, even though they don't play them that much, but I I do root for Florida State in basketball because Leonard Hamilton, mm-hmm. who was in Miami when I was there, is the that's head a coach different. there. That's a little different. A little bit different. Understand yeah. that. Anyway, Bob Sura, who played for the uh, I mean, if my buddy was coaching Harvard, I'd be like, okay, I want you to win, not yeah, so much yeah, Harvard. Yeah, right. So I get, I get the point. Yeah, I have that with uh, Calipari in Kentucky, by the way. I yeah. hate Kentucky. Right. Respect him. Right. Hate him. Like Calipari, it's tough. Anyway. You go uh, Stanford Samuels, the third, to corner of Florida State. Now, Stanford Samuels, the, the second, mm-hmm. played at Florida State when I was with right, Miami. Right, right, right. I mean, this guy's a young man. He yeah. had a kid at a young age, and he ended up, the father ended up playing in the CFL. Yeah. And I think he's coaching now, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, his, uh, now, I go back here, though. It's a Co- good comparison Covington here. and his dad was a CFL Hall of Famer. Now we get another one whose dad was in the CFL. Look, I'm I, look, I'm reaching here. I'm just pointing out little trivial facts. That's why I love Vandermock, though. But, but Vandermock is filled with this stuff. And I think that, like we talked about Stephon Diggs and his younger brother, you know, when you have a dad who played professional ball anywhere, I think it does help. And... I think there's some good advice there. So this is going to be interesting to see how he assimilates into the National Football League. Yep. What do you think of him as a player? Now, he's tall, mm-hmm. not very big. Right. Like, he's 185 or right. something like that. Everyone's going to be curious to see what he really weighs. But, look, we have food here, Johnny, and we have a <laughs> weight room. I just checked. I, I confirmed that there's food in a weight room here, and you can work them out. Well, we've seen some guys pack on a little bit of weight. I know everybody kind of pokes fun at, at Kevin Johnson, but we saw Kevin come in here, and I, I'm – Kevin was thin when he got here. 
But when he left after three, four years of being in that weight room, Kevin was not the biggest guy. Kevin was never going to be the biggest guy. But you could see when you saw him every day, like, okay, he's packed on some weight. Mm-hmm. He's definitely a lot bigger than when he got here. And we saw him, you know, for Buffalo. He definitely was a lot bigger than he was when he first got here. So you're right. That can definitely happen. And when these players don't have to worry about going to class anymore, yeah. it can make it just football. Then away you go. Class is such a distraction. And when your dad's been a professional, a professional football player, mm-hmm. I think it helps you too. I mean, I think of Devin Bush, you know, with Michigan, uh, who with uh, went to Steelers. You know, his dad before him played at Florida State, played in the league. I just think that stuff helps these younger players have a little bit of perspective. You know, walk in a locker room, they kind of get it, they understand it a little bit more. So, uh, as a player, I think. You know, a guy that's got that length and that size, you go fourth round, can you get a guy like that in the fourth round? Yeah, I don't think his game has completely come together yet. And I think that's one of the reasons probably why he's here in the fourth round. But I'll take a guy that's got size and length and can run. And that's going to be the key. Can he run? And we'll find that out when we get to the combine. Fifth round. All right, fifth round. Fifth round. I'm curious to see what you think of Michael Warren, the running back from Cincinnati, who is not a – this is not a sexy pick. Look, it's round five. Stop freaking out, everybody. It's the (laughs) fifth round. He's 225 11. Mm-hmm. He's a hole puncher. Yep. Okay. That gets yards often when there's not much there because yep. of just powering through. He's a tough back. I see him as a Bill O'Brien type of back. Yes. You know, I don't know if he makes the team or not. <laughs> I don't look, I know I don't know if they, if they draft him or not. Right. If he gets drafted. But I I kind of like him as an NFL player. Yeah. You Solid. mentioned it. He's very similar size wise to Carlos. Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of running back. And I mean, we saw with Carlos late in games later in the year. Those are guys that defensive backs, defensive players are like, I got to tackle this guy again. Like I got to tackle him for the 18th, 19th, 20th time in a game that becomes so difficult. He declared a year early and I'll be honest, that's put me behind on him just because there were so many running backs that a, I was expecting to come out and B I knew we're going to be, you know, seniors and graduating guys that were at the senior bowl but i have seen this guy play and when i see him play he's ultra productive picking up first downs down inside the uh red zone uh down inside the five down inside the 10 having a nose for the end zone i saw this and i went mark mm-hmm. that's excellent okay that's an excellent pick yeah, in the I'm, fifth I'm so round glad excellent pick put, in the like, fifth this round. this is so validating for me that's an excellent pick in the fifth round i like it Do you want he me will to- not be in the harris 100 but right. that's that's a well, really look, good pick in the fifth round. Well, I mean, the fifth round, you're not you're yeah, outside the I'm, 100. I'm so way far. outside the Harris. I'm in the Harris 200 if I'm lucky. Yeah, that's fine. Seventh rounder, would you like to hear this? Yes. All right, so you tell me this, Johnny. Okay. Nebraska has two big behemoths Three. in there. Three, Three, really. Up front. Yeah. And I didn't check. I got to admit, it's the seventh round, so I didn't do all my research. <laughs> the draft is winding down, and I just, I just need to like, you know, wind down the day. Yeah. Uh, how were they against the run with these dudes, these big dudes? Because Dorian Daniels, yeah, Darian Daniels is a. Um, I don't think the interior running was the issue. I think teams that ran on them, especially in the Big Ten, were able to do more things outside. Outside. Yeah, they were. They re- got three guys. They were the, really good. Inside. At least two might play in this league, yes. right? Yes. Daniels, one of them. Uh, big dude, you know, he's like 325, uh, so he's a vending machine. <laughs> he's a few biscuits above 325. Okay, good. Just good. just a few. Good. 
just mean, a few. He's like he's one of those. I like these big vending machines in the middle. You know that. Yes. I mean, I you can never have enough of those guys. Let's bring him in here. See what he can do. It's round seven. You know, maybe you give him that fake red shirt year, whatever <laughs> happens. But, um, you know, it's again late in the draft. I want to get a run stopper. I don't know what's going to happen with DJ, so that's how I concluded the Vandermock. Yeah, he started his career at Oklahoma State, then moved to Nebraska. Mm-hmm. He was at the Senior Bowl, 6'3 and a half, 322. Now, here's an interesting aspect about a guy at 322. I know people hear this and go, wait, what? He's got 81 and eighth inch arms. And you're like, wait a second. Well, a lot of guys that are 322 pounds are stout, kind of fire plugs, got right. short arms, and just you know, when they do the bench press, they just, bah! and their arms are, you know, like, they don't have the wingspan at 81 and, a, and an eighth. So this guy does. He's got 33 and a half inch arms. So a guy at 322 with that kind of arm length, it it would, you would think he would be a little bit better pass rusher than than just that. But he's he's a big dude. I remember seeing him at the Senior Bowl going, whoa. That guy, wait, was he at the, now I'm getting confused with, yeah, he was at the Senior Bowl. I'm pretty sure, yeah, he other, was at Senior Bowl. Because okay. I get him confused with the other. There was another Nebraska player who went to the him. Shrine Bowl. Oh. A Dave, one of the Davises. I think the other two are Davises. Mm-hmm. So this guy, I just remember seeing him like, that's a, that's a big guy. And I remember seeing him go, go, go across the stage. And I've seen some big guys at the, at the Senior Bowl. But he was like, oh, okay, he's good size. So 322 with long arms and length. You think, okay, maybe you can start using that length and be a decent pass rusher. So... That's the one thing I would like to see them try and incorporate is somebody from the interior that could do uh, some pass rushing. That would be kind of nice. Yeah, that would be because uh, it, it feels like found money when yeah. you get interior pass rush. I like know? the way you think. Nice yeah. job, Mark. Thank you, Johnny. There it is. We'll come back. We're going to talk with our buddy Sean Pendergast with Sports Radio 610 right here in Texas All Access. We got one final segment of this edition of Texans All Access on this Monday evening from the Texans Radio Studio. I'm your host, John Harris, and my very first co-host in radio is a good friend of mine he you can hear him on sports radio 610 from two to six he's our pregame host postgame host he does it all it's sean pendergast who did some 12 question work with drew doherty starting with one of my favorites over under drew over under oh yeah yeah, yeah. 29 passing touchdowns for deshaun watson i'm gonna go i'm gonna go over with that this is without having i i've looked at the opponents they have next year it's i mean you can you can look ahead to the opponents for the next 20 years if you want to, other than the two variable games. But I haven't looked at them to the extent that I, I've deciphered their past defenses and things like that. Now, Deshaun's torn up some pretty good defenses, yep. so I don't know that it totally matters. But I'm going to go over 29. I, I, boy, you want to hear about a bad beat? I had over 26 and a half this past season. <laughs> Did you really? Yes. <laughs> and he had 25 with, like, three games to go. Yeah. And then he didn't play in the last game. He didn't play in the last game. And the touchdown pass he threw in the Tampa game, I think. Got pulled back because it was to Fells. If Darren Fells just reaches forward two inches, then I'm a couple of dollars richer. Uh-huh. Um, so I didn't get that one. That was a bad beat. But I'm going to uh, – I would never – if I were putting money on it, I'd never bet under Deshaun because I don't bet mm-hmm. on things that I'm – like when I have a rooting interest, yeah, I bet on what I root for. Don't want to be involved. I, yeah. I'm not total cutthroat gambler that way where I can just co- totally go into business for myself. But I'm going to go over, and I think v- for a couple reasons. One, I think it's just the natural progression of Deshaun. I think that he was only at 26 last year. Mm-hmm. was a little bit of a fluke. 
Um, so I, I think, you know, you're banking on a little bit of health. I'm banking on everything being better offensively. Just a little uptick. You know what I mean? Right. The offensive line has room, while it's talented, has room to improve. Uh, Will Fuller, God bless, hopefully this will be the year that he's healthy for most of the season. Kenny Stills in the offense for another year. Maybe they get something out of the tight ends. I'm anxious to see what they do <clears throat> at running back aside from Duke Johnson if Carlos Hyde comes back or whatever. But I just think the natural progression for Deshaun, he's a guy where the green arrow is pointed up, so I'm going to go over 29. Is that your number, or is that the number that they put out there? Well, I was going to explain, because 29, <laughs> no Texan quarterback or, or group of quarterbacks in a season has ever thrown for more than 29. And Mark Vandermeer has a fetish about this statistic. I he's, know he He's does. wanting to break this. He wants to see 30. Yeah. So that's why I just I set that number. I and I, I think he'll break it, too, just... He keeps getting smarter. Yeah. He keeps learning more. And, I, I mean, he started out blazing. You know, and most guys, they start out, they struggle as rookies, and then they struggle a little less yeah. their second year. Third year, I think, uh, as a starter, I think it stands to reason, he's going to improve. And it kind of leads into the next question. Yeah. What is next for Deshaun Watson in 2020? Um, well, I mean, big picture, obviously. You just you, you got to make a deeper playoff run. But I think that's something... I think that's something that that is uh, that that's the case for for everybody. Um, I, I think it's probably um, there's still things that he does that I think frustrate people. Like he's spectacular. He's awesome. He's one of the top five quarterbacks in football. But I think it's you look at that spectacular play against Buffalo mm-hmm. that he made where he got into the car wreck and he spun out of it and he hits Taiwan Jones. It didn't have to be that way. You know what I mean? Like it, it, being able to pick up the things that are going on on that play before it happens so that you don't have to put yourself in that type of situation. Now, sometimes it's the rest of the offense or the lo- offensive line that's putting him in those situations, right? right? Where he's spinning, at, he's spinning out of somebody's clutches, gets kicked in the face against the Raiders and then makes the game-winning touchdown pass. That was nothing to do with Deshaun misreading something or holding the ball too long. But I think, I think it's that. I think it's just being overall more comfortable in the offense, g- getting rid of the football on time. Mm-hmm. He still holds the ball a little bit sometimes, um, reading things pre-snap, which I, I just know he's, he's already really good at. You see those explanations that he does? Yeah. Um, That's why I say media. he's only going to get better. He's only going to get with, better, with yeah. So I think it, it, like it, it's, it's hard to find something where you go, okay, what's the thing that he needs to improve? I think just from a results-based standpoint, he needs to be more consistent. His his bad performances were just way too bad last year. Mm-hmm. I think that's what separates him in the conversation from, say, a Mahomes or in the regular season last year, a Lamar Jackson, is that if you go look at their seasons on the aggregate over 16, or I guess in the case of Mahomes, you know, 13 or 14 games, their bad games are never bad games where you go, oh, my God, what, what happened? To yeah. But Deshaun's bad games last year, you know, the, the – the Carolina game, they only put up 10 points. The Baltimore game where everybody was was bad in that game, but but Deshaun made a lot of mistakes in that game. He he needs to the, – the ceiling of his game is what it is. He can be the best quarterback in the league. He needs to raise the floor, I think. You know, he needs to eliminate those three or four games where he was a big reason why they lost games that they shouldn't. And, see, I think it will get a little bit higher, the floor, because two years ago he got hit 62 times. Yep. He, that that number got shaved down quite a bit this year. Still got hit too much. Yeah. But I think it goes down even more. And I think with that happening, I think much, much, much improves on this offense his because numbers, of that. His numbers are great when he has time to throw. Yeah. You know, when he has time to throw, he's got a clean pocket. He's spectacular. I always describe it with quarterbacks. To me, I judge quarterbacks when I'm watching a game on TV. And if I'm rooting, you know, usually I have a rooting interest in almost any game for recreational purposes. And, uh, and, 
and to me, like the the just the regular Joe Sixpack litmus test is when I'm watching the ball leave a quarterback's hands. What are my what's my confidence level that there's something positive on the other mm-hmm. end of that pass? Either confident that I want it to happen with someone I'm rooting for, or confident that it's going to happen. Like, oh crap! You know, he's yeah. about to he's about to hit somebody over the middle for about 20 or 25 yards. What's my confidence level when they're throwing, when the play goes as it's supposed to be playing? Like, pockets clean, looking downfield, reading his progressions, releasing the ball. When Deshaun is clean pocket, steps into a throw, reading his progressions, and you're watching it on TV and the ball leaves the ball leaves his hands, I feel like the screen, the cameras are going to pan to something really good happening. Yeah. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, he, he's just, if he's got time to throw, good things are going to happen for the Texans. No doubt. Yeah. All right. The 2019 rookie, so the guy who was just a rookie this year. Yeah. You're most anxious to see... In 2020. Yeah. I think one that we didn't see at all, Kahali Waring. Um, we don't know if Darren Fells is going to be back. Yeah. Um, you know, Jordan Thomas didn't do much this year. Yeah. I, you know, I think Jordan Thomas could be fighting for a job. Jordan Akins, I think, is fine, but I think he's still got room to grow. I think it's Kahali Waring just on definition of the fact that we only saw him for a few practices. And there was a lot of excitement, maybe overstating it, but there was definitely sort of a, you know, a bubbling up of like, ooh, intrigue, I guess. I'm guilty. I mean, because he looked awesome in the rookie minicamp. Right. When he played in, in OTAs, he was pretty darn good. Right. And the short time he was on the field in training camp, he was really good. Like, he he kind of ate the Packers' defense alive in one of those practices mm-hmm. that we saw. And then he gets knocked out. He gets a concussion. You don't see him. But the stuff, the, the brief stuff we saw of him was very, very fascinating. His background is incredibly fascinating. Yeah. Just given what he did at San Diego State, the athleticism is off the charts, and he, he fits in perfectly in that regard with the tight ends room because you had a former baseball player mm-hmm. in there, professional baseball player, you had a former professional basketball player in Fells, and then you kind of had a freak of nature in six foot seven inch college wide receiver Jordan Thomas. Yeah, yeah. Some diverse yeah. backgrounds. So it's probably it's wearing for me, as far as the guys who got on the field, maybe if since you and I both I think are saying wearing here, um, I would I think it might be Charles Amenahue mm-hmm. of the guys who got on the field last sure year. Sure could use it. Yeah, they well it's it's and you saw flashes. It's a need. They need someone who can rush the passer. They need someone who can rush the passer from the interior, which mm-hmm. he, which I think he can do. And I'm just really anxious to see what this defense looks like with Anthony Weaver coordinating it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what he knows that defensive line better than anybody, and knows Amenahue better than anybody having coached him. So I'm anxious to see. And I saw a tweet from Amenahue this week that I guess he's on some sort of diet. This I don't know if he's yeah he's Atkins. He's, no, I, I hope it's not to Keto. lose weight. I hope it's just to take whatever his weight is and right. inside his body redistribute it to things that make him a more explosive person. Yeah. Um, but in many, he would probably be the one of the guys who got on the field last year. I hope he's eating lightning and crapping thunder. There you, yeah. So that's yeah, what me I want. Too. You, me too, Mick. <laughs> breakout Houston Texan in 2020 who was not a 2019 rookie. And I say breakout in kind of loose terms. They, didn't, they don't have to be uh, – you know, Adrian Peterson in 20, 2008 or anything. I'm just saying, like, a market improvement from a guy in 2020 who you saw last year. Who's over um, – who that I want to see or that I think will happen? Lonnie Johnson would sure be a nice yeah. – it would sure would be nice if Lonnie Johnson would live up to being a second-round pick. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's another guy who showed – I mean, he, he had his struggles. He did. He, and he was, he was a little bit nicked up in that game, yeah. the, the Chiefs game. Like he basically on the 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 igniting kick return. Yeah, he got hurt on that day. Yeah, uh, he kind of like jiggled his ankle or leg or something. Yeah, that's not to say, but I'm just yeah. saying he, we didn't see him full strength. Yeah, but you said not out of the 2019 rookie class, right? right so he was a rookie. Yeah, so, so he, somebody he, else. So he was a rookie. So somebody else among the people. 
um, who uh, I, you know what I'd like to see more Duke Johnson. That's what I would like to see Not more bad. more Duke Johnson. Um, he's going to be part of this team for the next couple of years. That's I love. You know, a lot of people criticize Bill O'Brien for giving up a third round pick for Duke Johnson. Um, It'll be a comp pick. It's yeah, not, it's not the third round. Pick. Yeah, but still, you know, but a, but a pick, you yeah. know, a pick a day two pick. A lot of people criticize them for for that, and I just think to myself, I, I mean, I I guess I get it. The, the draft pick valuation is a really weird thing, and some of it's the time of year that you're doing it, where right. demand is higher than others, and right before the draft, and this and that. I just think that Duke Johnson made so many plays for this team. You'd, His, been, up a, you'd have been up a creek without some you of the stuff. absolutely would yeah. have. I mean, you, he he was he made plays the third and eighteen play alone. You don't win that game if he doesn't make that yeah. third and eighteen in the playoff game, and. I'm not here to say Duke Johnson's worth three wins. What right. I am here to say is he made huge plays in many, many wins. When they were winning football games, Duke Johnson was probably a part of the game in yep. some way. The games where he was getting double-digit touches. And I, I know people try to simplify and say, well, look, he's averaging five and a half yards a carry, so just keep feeding him the ball. It doesn't work that way. Like, there's a there's a diminishing returns with certain guys. So I think I, I think O'Brien and the Texans know what they have in Duke Johnson. I just think that they can use him – they can use him a, a little bit more, and I think they will. Yeah, I think they will with time. With you know this, all, and we're gonna a full quiet. training camp and yeah. everything else. Like a quiet, lot of these guys we're talking about weren't here for training camp, and that's a question I'm bringing up later on. Yeah. So let's veer off here. We did this a couple weeks ago in a Texans All Access radio segment, so we're gonna get you involved too. Okay, cool. Former Texan who is retired. Yeah. So he's not still in the league, but a retired former Texan who you'd like to add to this current roster. Okay. Am I adding them at their at the peak of their powers? Of course. Okay. That they were basically a Texan, not Ed Reed. No, 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 no. <laughs> yeah, I don't mean Ted Reed at the peak of his Ravens right. powers. Right. Sure, I'd love to add that guy. <laughs> right. But. Right. Um, <laughs> the one that would just be just be getting greedy would be Andre Johnson, right? Yep. Like all of a sudden you have Andre Johnson. He was picked. Yeah, he yeah. was picked. Yeah. Yeah, Andre Johnson, Nothing DeAndre Hopkins, and Will Fuller. Um, but I I think I'll I'll give you one offensive and one defensive. Okay. Owen Daniels at the peak of his powers. Mm-hmm. I think would mesh just so nicely with Deshaun Watson and give him such a sweet target in the middle of the field. And it would it would kind of minimize some of the impact of them being a little bit wonky at the slot receiver right sure. now, too. Sure. Um, He's the greatest tight end team history. Yeah, no yeah. question. Can't, I, I, can't so I think that I, I would say 2009 Brian Cushing is who I would add to the defense. Yep. 2009 Cushing, force of nature, outside linebacker who was who did everything that year. Uh-huh. Like that was that was picked off passes, yeah. got sacks, forced fumbles, yeah, he made did, tackles. It brought swagger sideline to sideline. I just remember him, Drew, in 2009, watching him and turning to people when I'd be watching either in the press box or wherever, and saying like, "The Texans have never really had a guy like this." And I didn't mm-hmm. mean as a player, although that was probably accurate at the time. The team was only seven years old, but just a guy who who carried himself that way. That, mm-hmm. that was why it was such a shame what happened with him with the injuries three or four years later because yeah. it didn't rob him of any of that, but he just didn't have he didn't have that same oomph. He was still a good player, but he wasn't what he was early in his career right. to kind of match those two things. Uh, that, that's one of the biggest what-ifs to me in Texans history is what if what Ooh. if Matt Slauson doesn't slice Cushing's knee because that that's the ripple effect to so many things, both individually for Cushing and, and as a team for the Texans. You know, their defense wasn't the same that year after that. So true. So unfortunately, very true. All right, that's going to do it. If you want to hear more of that, go to the In the Lab podcast, and you can hear Sean and Drew. That was some great stuff. Hopefully you saw them on Texas 360 on Saturday evening. All right, we got to go. We're in Indy. We're going to go kill it at the Combine. We'll see you guys tomorrow. Coach Bill O'Brien on the show. Do not Missing. We'll have that for you tomorrow on Texans All Access. See you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.